Um, today, we're going to talk about why does God allow evil and not stop it. And in apologetics, this is a question you're probably going to get almost every time you witness to somebody if they're really like reluctant to accept Christ. People are going to ask you, well, if God is so loving, why is there so much evil in the world? And if God is so loving and there is this evil in the world, why doesn't he stop it? People will especially ask this question if they've been hurt by a family member or a friend uh, or seen one of their family members get hurt. So if something really bad has happened in their life, either to themselves or to somebody else that they know, they might be more reluctant to accept Christ if they don't understand why God allows evil and why he doesn't stop it. Because they have a hard time seeing that God is loving and all these bad things are happening in their personal life and around the world today. So we're going to go through three kind of big reasons uh, why God allows evil and why he doesn't always stop it. There are some times he does stop evil, but why he doesn't stop it completely right now. And so the first reason um, is God desires to have real relationships with us. And real relationships require genuine love. I want you guys to think about that concept. God desires to have real relationships with us. And real relationships require genuine love. I want you to think about marriages and how marriages typically happen. Typically they happen because two, two people started dating. They liked each other. They liked things about each other. And as they got to know each other, they realized that they wanted to be with each other long term. And they wanted to do life with one another. And so they agreed to get married. And part of getting married, you agree to stay with that person till death do you apart. And no matter how tough life gets, you desire to stay with that person. And to make that kind of commitment is real love. Because you're not going to commit your life to anybody. You know, somebody just off the streets that you don't know from Adam, you're not going to say, yeah, let me marry that person. At least most people won't. Because obviously, uh, there's a show actually out there called Married at First Sight. Probably most of you guys have seen that uh, or know about it. And at Married at First Sight, uh, these couples are put together by like relationship experts. So it's supposed to be like the perfect match for one another. They have similar qualities and backstories and stuff like that. And they don't know who the other person is, name or anything. And then the very first time they meet the person, they have to marry them. And then they have, and they get, they have 90 days to stay with their partner, their wife or their husband. And then after 90 days is up, if they don't want to remain married, they have to legally get a divorce to get out of the marriage. Well, that show, that sucks. it does. Yeah. That show is funny because I think the success rate is like under 20% right now. And they've done it for like 14 seasons. So it's a terrible success rate. Um, almost, <laughs> almost, almost none of the marriages work out. And the reason none of the marriages work out is because although like on paper, they may have been the perfect match. Most of the time when they get together, and get to know each other. There's no real genuine love. They just have similar characteristics and traits. And if they don't fall in love with one another, even though they get along maybe, or they have things that are in common, they don't want to spend their whole life with that person. They're just friends. They're, not They're just friends or they just you know, have similar uh, interests. So genuine love is even if the person's different than you, they may be similar, they may be different. You really love that person. You really care for them. You really want to be with them. 
those marriages that when people choose to be together, not they're not forced to be together, and they have Christ in the center of their relationship, most of the time last, you know, until death does them apart, or at least much, much longer. So there's a point of real relationships require genuine love. You know, you can't fake it and make it kind of thing. After a while, you're not going to make it. So when God created humans, he wanted us to freely choose to love him. I want you guys to think about that. God wanted us to freely choose to love him. He could have made us to where we're automatically wired to love him. Kind of like, uh, you know, the perfect match in a sense. He could have made us like him, but also put a little extra twist in there to say, you know, they're always going to love me and worship me. They're kind of, they're programmed to also do that. And then we just could live forever like that. The problem with that, though, is it's fake because God knows that the way he made us is to worship and love him. So while we're worshiping and loving him, he's like, well, they're just doing that because I made him to do that. And there's no really real relationship there. Basically, he just created a bunch of robots. So God didn't want that. So he took a chance on making us to where we could choose not to love him. And... To choose not to love him means there's an alternate option, which would be evil, which would be, you know, the hatred, opposite of love, all the things that come with that. And although God didn't want anybody to choose that route, the only way for us to have a real relationship with him and for us to show genuine love to him was to not be programmed to love him and to worship him automatically is for us to, ch- to freely choose to love and worship him, even when there's another option not to. Does that make sense? I want you to think about this. Um, in in uh, Genesis chapter 2, uh, starting in verse 15, it says this right here. And I'll read it off to you. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you'll surely die. So God tells us right there from the start, hey, you have an option to not do what I tell you to do and to not choose to love me and obey me because part of of loving somebody is also respecting them and obeying them, especially somebody that has authority over you. So if humans choose not to obey God, then they're also choosing not to love him and be in a relationship with him. So he gave them this choice, and he gave humans free will. And again, God told them right off the bat, if you do this, there's going to be punishment. You don't, you don't want to go down that route. But I'm still going to give you the option. And yet we, we chose to sin against God and to go our own way. So that's one reason. If you also look at Joshua 24, 15, it says this, and this is pretty fascinating. Um, Let's see, Joshua, yeah. It says, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your ancestors who served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So even as the Bible progresses, all throughout the Bible, God still gives people a choice to choose to follow him or not. 
even after Jesus came to earth and died on the cross for our sins, he didn't say, okay, all your sins are now forgiven. You guys are good. Don't worry about nothing anymore. You know, you can just live freely. No, Jesus said, I died on the cross for your sins, but to accept that, you have to follow me. You have to, you have to believe in me. You have to repent of your sins and say, I'm going to put my, give my lives in your hands. You still have to make a choice to accept the gift that Jesus gave you on the cross. It's free to you because Jesus said that you know, he, um, all people, um, he doesn't desire for them to perish but to have everlasting life. And because him died on the cross, he already defeated the punishment that happened because of our sin in Genesis. So we can have that eternal life, but we have to accept that gift. And to accept that gift of salvation from Jesus and to have eternal life and forgiveness of our sins, we have to follow him. We have to, again, choose to love him. Now, when you think about that in your, in your own personal life today, all of us at times have chosen not to love God and to do our own thing and to go our own route. And because of that, it would be easy for God just to say, you know what, I'm done with them all. You know, it didn't work out. They turned against me. You know, forget about it. I'll just have the angels. But God didn't do that because what God wanted from us, that unconditional love, he, he still gives to us today, although we don't show it back to him. Now, genuine love and unconditional love aren't, aren't always the same thing because genuine love means that, you know, you're freely choosing that person when you don't have to. Unconditional love means that no matter what happens, you're still going to love that person. So even though we sin against God, God still pursues and loves us. No matter what we've done, that's unconditional kind of love. And so he's the perfection of genuine love. So the things that God wants us to reciprocate to him, he gives to us in a perfected form. Does that make sense? Where there's no blemishes to that. Now the second reason God doesn't stop evil is because people have to see the consequences of sin. Why do you think that's important? For people to see the consequences of sin. So say, for instance, like say Aaron, you start, you start doing something you shouldn't do and you're living the way you shouldn't live. Instead of God coming down and saying, All right, Aaron's going down a bad track, we're going to put a stop to that and beep, redirect him back on the right track. Sometimes God allows you just to keep on going down that sinful track, knowing that bad things are going to happen to you or you're going to get into a lot of trouble. Why do you think God would have just allowed that evil and not stop it? So it really sticks with you. It really sticks with you. Okay, what, why else? So you learn from it, because if you just get you out of it right then, you won't learn from it and learn yeah. that you actually don't want to do this. That's good. what will happen to you if you do so? Yeah, Caitlin? So you can, it's kind of like what Victoria said, you can realize what you did wrong and how much better it was before you did that, and then other people can see it as well and realize that this is the main difference. Yeah. The good and what happened after they went down. Yeah. No, I think that's. I think that's perfect. Yeah. So the longer you, you yeah, do you have something? I'll say also it's a way to give your testimony to before you brought God. Yeah. True. Absolutely. No. So yeah, I think that's. Those are all great answers. Um, yeah. When when you're living in sin and you're doing things you're not supposed to do for a little while. It may be kind of enjoyable. You know, you feel like, oh, I'm breaking the rules and doing something kind of, you know, I'm not supposed to do. 
And, you know, sometimes sin can be fun and attractive for a little while. So if you started sinning and doing things you shouldn't do, but then all of a sudden God just pulled you right out of it, put you back on the right track, then in your mind you're like, God, that really wasn't that bad. That was actually kind of fun. Like, I think God's kind of holding me back here. Like, that's, that's actually, yeah, he needs you to see the consequences. So sometimes God allows you to just keep on living in that sin because the longer you stay in that sin, that initial kind of fun, excitement, joy, or not joy, but happiness, you may get from that sin turns into regret, turns into a lot of mistakes that were made, turns into something really bad. And then you look back and you're like, oh man, that wasn't, that, that wasn't the best choice. Because if I, if I didn't get involved in that sin, it actually would have been better for me. So without evil, without God allowing the evil to persist, we wouldn't realize just how good he really is and just how much better it really is to follow him. Think about this. If there was no evil in the world, and God just took it all away and made us all live perfectly good lives, then all we would know is that. And we wouldn't really appreciate how, how good God really is and how much he really loves us and cares for us because we, we couldn't see an alternative. But when you can see the alternative to not following God and how evil and corrupt the world is and how bad sin really is, and you see how much better a relationship with God is, you begin to also appreciate it and respect it a lot more and ultimately respect and appreciate him more. Um, so did you have Joshua 24, Caitlin? No, I didn't. So it's okay. We, we already read that one off, so we'll, we'll go through here. It's okay. Um, I appreciate it though, Aaron. Um, so on number two here, who had Galatians 6? Me. Okay, Victoria. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, he will also reap. For he, wait. Yes, good. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows the spirit sows the spirit will of the spirit. It wait what? Oh wait. Everything. That was really bad. That's okay. No, it's okay. Yeah, so basically what God is saying there is whatever we reap from the Spirit will also sow from the Spirit. Whatever we reap from the world will sow from the world. Basically what God is saying there is that the way you live, you know, you're going to get in what you, what you, you're going to get out what you put in. So if you're living for Christ and you're all in on Him, then God says, well, your life will outpour with love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, what's called the fruit of the Spirit. Because when you're living in the Spirit, the Spirit comes out of you. But when you're living in the world and you're doing things that the world says are right, then the world's going to come out of you. And when the world comes out of you, it's not going to be that love, that joy, that peace, that patience. It's going to be more anxiety, worry, you know, guilt, shame, regret, things like that. But he's saying, God's saying that I, I allow that for a reason because when you see that, I would, I would hope that you would say, you know what, I made a mistake. Following God really is the best route and the only route I should take. See, sometimes when we live in sin and we realize how bad the consequences of sin are, it actually leads us to repentance. Because people that may never you know, think about God twice, 
and they want to live their own way and they're, they're all stuck in their lifestyle, whatever they want to do, the longer they stay in that sin and the bigger those consequences get, they get to a point of brokenness. And they get to a point of what they call rock bottom, you know, and where somebody's like, I just have nowhere else to go. I feel hopeless. And in those moments, when they're broken like that, they begin to search that maybe there's a better way. Maybe I was wrong. And a lot of times that's when they see God and really give their life to him and he takes them on a new path. But without that brokenness, being broke down like that, they may have not been built back up. Um, that's why there's so many testimonies in prison. A lot of people that go into prison end up accepting Christ. And part of that is because if you're in prison, you face some pretty serious consequences for your sin. And you're probably in a place of rock bottom. So you realize that the life that I was living didn't really work. And so then you're like, well, what else is there? There's got to be something better than the life I'm living. And you have all this free time to, you know, personally think and reflect and to study. So a lot of them start reading the Bible. And then as they read the Bible, they begin to live, a, they begin to change and they, be, and they give their life to Christ. And when they get out of prison, they live totally different lives. And a lot of times those are, those are the strongest testimonies. Um, so it also says here in Romans 13 too, Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. It's another reminder that whatever you do, consequences happen. And God designed it to happen that way. And then um, the third thing is, and we talked about it a little bit, God doesn't stop evil. So people appreciate the love and goodness that God really does give us. I want you to think about something here. God did start over with humanity. So a lot of people say, well, the world's so sinful. Why doesn't God just come and wipe us, off, wipe us all out and start over? Well, he did originally. Uh, if you think back, if you think back into Genesis, originally God did do that with the flood, and He started over with Noah and his family. And God said, "Well, this family's following me. They seem to love me genuinely. They seem to really have a real relationship with me. So you know what? I'm going to start over with them in hopes that they spread that love and that genuine, that real relationship with me." To all those that come after them. So God ensued a flood. Wiped out humanity besides Noah and his family. Because uh, they were on the ark. And 2,000 years later, look where we're at. <laughs> so clearly it did not go down. Even Noah and his family themselves, when they landed on dry ground, one of the very first things Noah did was get drunk. So immediately turned against God. If you go back and read the story of the flood, when they eventually get to dry land after you know, 40 days, Noah gets on the land, gets drunk with wine, and passes out. Why? Just because um, that's the right why? thing to do, kid. No, that's not. He decided that, hey, freedom. Passed out. I'm so um, confused. Wouldn't you want to walk around on the ground? Um, I'm so confused. Nah, nah, nah. <laughs> he was probably so happy. He, yeah, went, he went a little over the top of the celebration. and uh, Yeah, so I want you to think about this. Even if God were to start over today, you know, find one righteous family and wipe us all out and start over again, inevitably, <laughs> no, inevitably, we would end back right where we're at today. It may take a few thousand years, but the way humanity is today and all the sin we see wrapping in our world, we would eventually end up in the same spot. 
So people that want to claim, well, God should just wipe out all the evil and start over, because humans have, a, have that free will to choose God and to not choose Him, even if God started over, we would still end up in the same place. We would still, and I think that's partly even why God had instituted the flood originally, was to show us that no matter if I start over or not, humans are always are constantly going to choose to not love me. And, and because of that, you're going to have sin. You're going to have evil. You're going to have death. But that's how much I love you, that even despite all of that and all you're turning against me, I'm still going to send Jesus to die on a cross for you. And I still want to have a relationship with you. So it shows God's love on an even more magnified way. Um, and, and if you look here, some people also will make the comment, well, why doesn't Jesus just come back today? The world's so evil. It's so sinful. Why doesn't he just come back today and end it for good? Huh? Yeah, we're not, so no one knows the time but God when Jesus will eventually come back. But part of the reason I think that God um, has not sent Jesus to come back yet it's because God truly does desire for all people to come to him. And so, you know, if Jesus were to come back today and, you know, institute the tribulation and eventually the end times, you know, all the people that are not living for him, probably most of them aren't going to turn to him. So they're going to end up separated from him forever. So the longer the world is, is here, the more chance people have to give their lives to Christ. And that kind of goes along with God's character. He wants to... He wants people to come to repentance to him. 